Sure they have nothing the same as the rest of us? Molly frowned. Both Mr. and Mrs. O'Sullivan had assured her parents that Matthew, Matty O'Sullivan and his wife Nellie had a grand house in Hopwood Street, Liverpool, and that he was a checker on the docks, a very responsible job. They were a good-living Catholic family, one entirely suitable to keep a watchful eye on two seventeen-year-old girls, fresh from the countryside and unused to big city life. Bernie's da worked for her father as a casual labourer, helping out with the turf, the haymaking, and the harvesting of the few fields of crops that Paddy Keegan grew on his not overly large farm. The Keegan's main income came from the dairy herd that her father was slowly building up. Her mother, Ita, kept chickens and ducks and geese and made butter. They were far better off than the O'Sullivans, who lived in a small, run-down cabin beyond the Kappa Lochland Bridge. At one time there were fourteen of them crammed in it together, until Bernie's four older brothers had taken the emigrant ship to New York. Her two eldest sisters had followed them, and then Katie O'Sullivan had gone to Australia with the Presentation Sisters and was now called Sister Assumpter, a source of great pride and joy to Tess O'Sullivan. It still left Bernie, Claire, Eileen, Tim and Ignatius, known as Iggy, at home. Molly, too, had seen her brothers, Dennis and Mick, go off to America. Every family in the county had had someone who'd left Ireland. There wasn't a living to be had for everyone. There was no alternative but the emigrant ship. But your da said they have a fine house and he has a good responsible job, Molly pressed. If her parents heard Bernie talking like this, then it would definitely change things. She certainly didn't want that. Why well, supposed to da? Any kind of a regular job is just great. And how does he know what kind of a house they have? Sure, they never write to each other. I don't even know if Matty O'Sullivan can write. It's Ma and Nellie who write the letters, and not very often either, Bernie answered airily. He must be able to write if he's a checker. Oh, for heaven's sake, Bernie, don't go saying things like that in front of Mam and Da, or they'll change their minds. And I'm not staying here forever, I'm not. Bernie nodded emphatically. Neither am I. I'm not going to be buried alive here in the bogs, with nothing to do but go to Mass, the occasional wedding and wake, get married and have gangs of kids, never seeing anything or doing anything exciting, never having any real money of me own. There's got to be more to life than all that. I certainly don't want to end up like Ma. Do you know how old she is? Molly shook her head. Much the same age as her own ma'am, she assumed. She's forty-six, and she looks sixty-six. Molly frowned. Bernie had a point. Well, just don't say Matty O'Sullivan isn't respectable. Have you any money of your own? Bernie sighed. Oh, and not as much as I'd like. I've only been able to find odd bits of jobs lately. I'm fit for nothing. I've got my fare and a few shillings over, and I've hardly a shoe to my foot. She glanced despairingly at her old brown shoes. Despite her best efforts to polish them up, the leather was scuffed and cracked, and the heels were badly worn down. In fact, her whole appearance depressed her. In addition to her much-hated hairstyle, her print dress was faded and unfashionably long, and it was tight around her waist.
She was small and considered plump, and the fashionable drop-waisted dresses with their shorter skirts would have made her appear thinner and taller. She envied Molly, who was tall and slim, and whose clothes were better and more modern than anything she owned. The green and white flowered cotton dress Molly wore today looked fresh, with its white pointed collar and wide belt that hugged her hips. Molly's flat shoes were of a light tan leather, and her stockings were cream. Bernie had no stockings, cream, fawn, or even black. Molly was acutely aware that she was better dressed. In fact, she always had been, since the day the two girls had started in junior infants. Yet they'd always been firm friends, despite the differences in their circumstances. I've got a few pounds saved up. I could give you enough for a new pair of shoes and some other things, she offered, mentally vowing that once away from parental vigilance, she would give Bernie some of her clothes. She'd have to alter them, of course, but that wouldn't be a problem. Ma'am had taught her to sew from an early age, which meant she'd been able to find work doing alterations in Mrs. Bracken's drapery in Tullamore for three days a week. It didn't pay much, but at least it was some kind of a job. Oh, I'll take a land of it, Mal, just for shoes. I'll pay you back when we get work. We're bound to get jobs that pay.